Hi, good to have you here this evening. I want to first start off by thanking um, everyone in the church who had such a hand in um, the activities for last week. We had a very busy week and so many of you um, just jumped in and did whatever was needed to be done and it got done and it's been a, it, it was a great week. I think our play both Friday and Saturday uh, went off well. The performance was excellent the crowd was good and we praise God for that. Um, we even have a write-up in the uh, Christian Courier uh, about the play and so um, that was encouraging. Very extensive write-up so praise God for that. And then our, our fellowship for Grace Partners went very well. Everything that I heard uh, feedback was good. Uh, they enjoyed our fellowship. They enjoyed our worship time. Enjoyed our music. Enjoyed the food together. So praise God for that. I want to just say I appreciate you all for all that you've done um, and this is one of those cases where it's, it's not bad to preach to the choir <laughs> to encourage those who are so faithful in, in everything that they have done we even had men come over here during this week to to set everything back in order at, in the fellowship hall and I appreciate all those who had a part in that tonight we take a look at Acts chapter 17 continuing our series and so we pray looking through Acts, we see the various activities. You might ask, why? what is Acts, Acts named for? Some have questioned, is it the Acts of the Apostles? Or is it the Act of the Holy Spirit? And we see the progress of the early church in that first century after Christ's um, resurrection and his, his ascension. We see how the Holy Spirit uh, completes God's mission to take the gospel everywhere. So in chapter 17, we, we've, we've, we see how Paul and his team have come from Philippi, where they were arrested and imprisoned there. And the Lord um, miraculously, by an earthquake, uh, brought them out of that place. And uh, Paul wanted to maintain his testimony. So he wanted the leaders in that, in that town in Philippi to... to, to take him out the right way they didn't what they did was in broad open daylight they arrested him but then they tried to sneak in the, behind the scene and let him go because they knew they had nothing real to arrest him for and Paul wanted them to do that publicly to release them for the for the gospel's sake for the reputation of the gospel so in chapter 17 they moved down the road and uh, let's just read a few verses now when they had passed through Epipolis and Apollonia they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. So the first part... Uh, first point I wanted to make on this passage is, is look how Paul uses the scripture and he, he teaches us and sets the example and a model for us how we ought to use scripture as we seek to persuade others. He reasoned with the scriptures or he reasoned concerning the scriptures. He took the word of God and he brought it to individuals and helped them see what the scriptures said. 
we ought to be doing that. We ought to be doing that, first of all, for ourselves. As we read God's word, we ought to be thinking, what does God, what is God conveying to me? And what is he conveying to us through his word? And, and, and then we ought to help others to do that as well. What is God saying through his word? He used the word of God and he reasoned with them. Now, he didn't just reason using logic. He used the word of God to reason, and he, he had a goal there. And it says there in verse 4, um, verse 3, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. So he reasoned with the scriptures among those there to show them that this Jesus is the fulfillment of God's word that was written in all of the Old Testament. So what we ought to see is that Genesis has to point to Christ. And it does. Exodus, Exodus Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all through are pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm preparing for my next series on Sunday morning and, and reading through the, the book of Hosea and seeing how that points to the Lord Jesus Christ. What does Hosea say about our salvation and concerning the Lord Jesus Christ? So we, we need to see that, and that's what he did. He persuaded them. He explained who Christ is. In our message on Sunday, um, Pastor Darrell was talking about who this Jesus is and, and using John chapter 10, John chapter 9 and John chapter 10. He's the one that opens the eyes of the blind where no one else can do it. And he does it in a way where the blind man says, how can this not be Christ? Who else opens the eyes of the blind? And then in chapter 10, he is the shepherd, the one who protects the sheep, who, who has access to the sheep, and treats and, 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 and uh, feeds and protects and guides the sheep. So he explains through the scripture, who is this Jesus? It's interesting where, where he's saying, he showed that the scripture, verse 3, explaining and proving it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. He took the Old Testament scripture and pointed out God's plan for the, for, for the deliverer, for the rescuer, for the savior of the world. How he must suffer and rise from the dead. Um, so when he does this, let's look at some of the results that happen there. So here he is um, reasoning with them from the scriptures and explaining who this Jesus is. Look at verse 4. Some of them were persuaded. Some were persuaded, and that's good, isn't it? We rejoice when we see that happen, when some people are persuaded and, and they come to accept the truth of God's word. Let's look at some of these who were persuaded. Some were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. So it had a, he had a major impact on, on the people he was speaking to because he reasoned with the word of God. The word of God is absolutely true. So God has to open our eyes to see that truth. And as Paul was reasoning through that, it's the Holy Spirit that worked 
in their understanding and help them to see the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we see here is, and we see this all through Acts, I'm going to look at a few passages. We, it's our responsibility to take God's word and to address it in a persuasive way to, to draw people to Christ, to point out who Christ is. It is the Holy Spirit's work, and this is what he does, is to change the heart, to give new hearts so that people can actually see, so the blind can see and they can believe in the Lord Jesus. I want to look at a few passages. Look how we persuade people. In Acts chapter 13, verse 44, Someone could read that for me. Acts 13, 44. Anybody got a Bible? All right. So Paul, as his, his practice was, he was going into the synagogues on the Sabbath, and he was teaching the Word of God. Now look what happens. Um, verse 48. Someone read that. Paul presents God's word, but look who comes to believe. How, how do they come to believe? It says, as many as were appointed to eternal life believe. This shows the Holy Spirit's work in the heart of individuals. So it's our responsibility to give the word, to, to persuade, to reason with the scripture. And it's the Holy Spirit who does that. When we do that, the Holy Spirit comes along and he, 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 uh, 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 he moves some. Some are persuaded. Not all, but as many as he desires, who, who he appoints to eternal life, are the ones that, that he brings to, to faith. Let's go back to chapter 2, verse 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Someone read that for me. Notice it's the Lord. The Lord uses the testimony of people. They're praising God. But it's the Lord who added to their number each day those who would be saved. In Acts chapter 8, we see this um, with a spe uh, specific individual. This is the Ethiopian man. In Acts chapter 8, let's start at verse 27. Someone can read that. And some of them, verse 28, all the way through 30. So we see this man is seeking. He wants to understand. And, and the Holy Spirit sends Philip to him. And then Philip asks him a question. Do you understand what you're reading? He's reading the scripture. Verse 31, someone read that. Right. God uses people. He wants us to reason with the scripture. It's the Holy Spirit that opens the heart, but he does that by means of people coming alongside, talking to people concerning the scripture. Has God laid somebody on your heart? Has God brought somebody close to you in your path? Are you praying that God will bring somebody in your path? You know, you can't, you can't force that, but
But what you do is ask God to open those doors and pray that you'll recognize those doors when, when they are open. And in the meantime, prepare yourself for speaking God's word to them and, and showing them what God has to say and making it simple, pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Philip did with this passage. In fact, we can see that in verse 35. So I'm going to read that for, for us. Right, so that, that was his task, to take the word of God and, and, and point to that person the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, back in Acts 17, was doing the same thing. He was reasoning with people, showing them what the Scripture says about the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 10, excuse me, Acts chapter 9, verse 5, we see how this happened to Paul himself. I'll read that. He said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The Holy Spirit opened Paul's eyes to see Jesus. And he discovered Jesus. In chapter 10, verse 34, Peter has been sent to a Gentile man. And uh, I'd like somebody to read 34, 35, and 36. This is, this is the key to, to Scripture. It's preaching the good news of Christ. This is the word that God sent. And this is what Peter was, was sharing with this, uh, with this Gentile man. As we continue in that story, verse 38, he says, And how, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one anointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Again, Peter is simply sharing that this is God's plan that he wrote in the Old Testament. It points to Jesus and who he is. He's the Savior. He's the one that delivers us from sin, who, who provides forgiveness of sin by his death on the cross. And so... This is what the scriptures are all about. Now go back to Acts 17 with me. We said that Paul was reasoning with them uh, from the scriptures. Some were persuaded in verse 4. But look at verses 5 through 9. So, uh, just start with verse 5. It says, But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Just like the gospel was attacked in Acts 16 in Philippi, there are those who reject the gospel and oppose the gospel here in Acts 17 in Thessalonica. 
So we're reasoning through the scripture. We see that some respond, some are persuaded. Many reject and refuse and oppose the gospel. The gospel. But the gospel needs to go on. And so I've entitled this, and so we pray. We pray because God wants us to be persistent in, in, in taking the word of God to others. Even though some are going to reject and some are going to oppose it, we still take it. And we're going to go through this story next week and see how, what did Paul do after this? After people are uh, attacking them for preaching the gospel, they don't just fold up their tent and go home. They just continue taking the gospel everywhere that they go. And that's encouragement to us to, to continue um, in, in the uh, task that God has given us to take the gospel, to live it, to preach it, and to persuade others concerning the scriptures. Um, Brian, would you come? And later on, I'll, I'll um, um, update us on, on, um, on Dwayne when we get into our prayer time. We'll talk a little bit about him and how we can pray for him. Good evening. Our, <coughs> our meditation will be continuing in the book of Hebrews. Last time that we went through the book of Hebrews, we were in chapter 5, and we were looking at a different change in the book. And one of the things that I like to do when I'm studying God's Word is look at where the book changes a little bit. And so if you're looking at the book of Hebrews, you'll notice there's this big building of the book that's going on. Chapters 1 through 5, all the way through verse 10, is the writer is building his argument about how Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is superior. And we start to understand more and more about the superiority of Jesus, but then it's like he's talking, and then all of a sudden he looked, and he's like, but I got to say something to you. And we're in that part where he's talking to us. And so it's a little bit of a stop, and it's almost like if you were reading a book, the music changes a little bit, right? The scene changes, the feel changes. starts to get a little bit aggressive with us a little bit. He writes to us in a way that modern writers would not write to us. I think that's because the Holy Spirit is tougher with us sometimes than is commercially acceptable to be, right? If I was writing a book like this, I would not rebuke my readers because you want them to buy your book. Why would anybody buy your book for you to rebuke them, right? But he's not writing this to be sold. He's writing it because the Holy Spirit told him to say it. And so writing it, and sometimes they write stuff bad about themselves. Look at Jonah. Jonah wrote Jonah. Who would write that story? I was a fool. I ran away from God. I swallowed up by a whale because I ran away from God. I spit up back in the land that I was trying to run away from. Had to preach to my enemies. Was so hateful towards them that I wanted to watch God's judgment fall on them. I loved the plant that shielded my head more than the children of that city. That's the book of Jonah. But Jonah wrote Jonah. Because God told Jonah to write Jonah. The writer of Hebrews, we really don't know his name, right? People debate about who you don't know but God told him to write this and he is writing in this part and we can just call it the rebuke right and so the first part that we looked at last time we're just talking about how this is hard to explain 
And I believe that this modern age, we can rebuke us too with this. It's hard to explain some things to people because we don't study the scriptures enough. We have to explain. Right? Just like if somebody come to work and they come to work smelling bad, you shouldn't have to tell an adult that they shouldn't come to work stink, right? But why you got to do that? Because it's a shame if you do, right? Isn't it a shame? And so that's what it is. It's a shame when somebody has been saved for a little bit and they don't want to go beyond the basics. And so let's read some difficult verses here a little bit, which we'll understand as we understand what his context is. He's talking to believers or people that he hopes are believers. And we'll start and we'll read just one through eight um, because the other part is a little bit different. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works or of faith towards God or of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Well, what makes this passage difficult? What's the misunderstanding? Okay. Okay. So what are some, what are, let's talk, think about this. What are some difficult things in this passage um, that make it hard for us to understand? Is it difficult or is it easy to who finds this passage easy? Raise your hand if you think it's easy. Who thinks it's hard? Raise your hand if you think it's hard. Raise your hand if you think it's just in the middle somewhere. Okay, so most people think it's hard. Why do you think it's hard? I'm just going to go and just call out names so we can get some participation. Brother Charles, why do you think it's hard? Oh, okay. Um, Charmone, why do you think it's hard? Yeah, but what, like, just what specific, like, what in the passage is hard? Okay. Grandma, you got anything? Why do you think it's hard? kind of highlights why it's difficult to me because I think this passage, here's the thing when you go in the book of 1 John you just get black and white nothing, and it's nothing against John it's just, that's how it is when you read the book of John if you practice righteousness you are saved if you practice sin, you are unrighteous 
But this passage handles a gray area, right? Where there's people who have the appearance of being saved and have participated in good things, right? But we don't get what we expect from them. And where, how are we to perceive them and what should we say to them? That's why this passage is hard because it's addressing something that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about this. Is there, are there people who will not be saved? Right? There are people who will not be saved. One of the doctrines that we don't like to talk about is, right, we call it, um, all right, so, so when we get saved, we're irrevocably saved, right? We call that election. But what do we call about somebody who's irrevocably rejected? Right? We sometimes we call it reprobation, right? But think about it like this. Balaam. Right? Did Balaam stop being a false prophet just because he talked to God? Did Judas stop being a liar because he's around Jesus? And here's the thing about Judas, he felt guilty. He felt real guilty. Cain ever change his ways? Jacob and Esau. Esau didn't want to murder Jacob at the end, but did he ever get saved? This scripture addresses those issues, and that's why it's hard, right? That's why it's hard, because it asks that. And I know I'm taking a lot of time, so I'm going to, even though I kind of hate to just leave such a cliffhanger, I'm just going to let us wrestle with that, and let's just try to think of some answers for next time, or write some answers in the scripture box for next time. Because isn't that something that we should wrestle with, right? Let's try to wrestle with and get an answer together to answer the questions that we have for this passage. Here's the thing. We should wrestle with things everything is not going to be a sweet and easy answer and if I was just to give a sweet and easy answer it'd probably be wrong anyway right this passage is not it's, not, it's probably some simple ways to understand it but it's addressing a hard thing So let me just turn it over to Andy, but I think let's just wrestle with it. Let's just bring some stuff back for our meditation for next week. I'm just going to segue from that into my section by I'm backsliding. <laughs> um, I want to pray about it. I just have two people pray. Um, I just let's pray for a prayer of praise for this last weekend's joint service. It was such a good time. It was awesome seeing all those people here. Um, everything just seemed to go smoothly. It didn't seem like there was any hiccups. Yep. And then like you know even even serving the people how that just went smoothly because that can get crazy in itself. So um, easy. Just however you feel led to pray. Just just prayer praise for how. This weekend, when I mean, it was such a, it was so uplifting. I had such a good time. And then I'll close, close in prayer.
Lord, we just lift up, um, lift you up, Lord. We lift up how well you orchestrated this weekend. Um, we just praise you for the plays going on and set up for Sunday's service where we were able to just um, come together with the Grace Partners and worship you and just gives us a little glimpse into what heaven's going to be like when we have all the saints there just worshiping you. And we just praise you for that. Praise you for helping everything go smoothly with the service, helping everything go smoothly with um, the fellowship time together. And we just thank you. We just praise you. And um, we just continue to look at you during this holiday season knowing that this is about you. And um, we get together to praise you during this time. Blessing to us through just praising you and the message from Pastor um, Schrock and uh, just all the time that we had time to spend together fellowshipping. In your name we pray. Amen.